Hello. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two, season three of Jude Talks About. Um, today, um, I don't know if you guys celebrate, but today is Halloween. Um, I choose to celebrate. It's a holiday that I very much enjoy. And I thought that I could take today to kind of have like a like a spooky kind of um, episode for you guys. So today we will be reading some scary stories. Um, hopefully not too scary, but I haven't really previewed any of them. So if they are scary, we can get scared together and it'll be great. Um, but this is just your warning now that this episode is about Halloween. This episode might be a little bit frightening. Um, so the audio on this episode, um, I tried to do like a fun voice filter. Um, I was also having some issues with my recording setup, but, uh, towards the end, the audio does kind of get a little bit hard to understand, but, um, bear with me, um, and just listen to what you can. You might have to skip around. I'm really sorry, guys, but um, hopefully next week will be better. So first up today, I do, I have been really fascinated by AI lately, artificial intelligence. Um, I've been using it to help me write lyrics for songs and melodies for songs, um, just different stuff. And so I want to look for um, like a AI generated scary story for you guys that I can share. Um, I found one that produces, it's like a choose your own adventure goosebumps kind of thing, um, which is cool, but it seems like it might be a little bit long, but also what are we going to do if we have a long episode? How long can it really be? Um, so yeah, I'm going to all go grab that link really quick. Um, so this is a choose your own adventure. Um, Botnik, it's called Botnik, B-O-T-N-I-K, give yourself goof bumps, G-O-O-F, um, reader beware, you choose the scare, choose from over 20 different scary endings, um, how do I, oh, there we go, um, beware, do not read this book from beginning to end, oh, hold on, beware, do not read this book from beginning to end, frogs, why does it always have to be frogs, you're played, you're psyched for some school time, but your cousin made you miss the bus. Now you'll be late for sports. No problem. You can just do walking through the zombie forest. Do you dare beat feet through scary woods? Or do you might get foot? Or if you do, you might get a magic sword or even a soda can from a ghostly horse. But how will you hold either when your hands are made of sand? Maybe you should stay home where the toys are, but be careful. You could wake up one day and find yourself married with vampires. This scary adventure is all about you. You decide what will happen and how terrifying the scares will be. Start on page one, then follow the instructions. Um, there's some more stuff. I forgot how bad I am at reading out loud. Okay, now let's jump into it. Here we go. I don't think it's okay that you have to eat yogurt every day, your cousin complains. You keep your mouth shut. You like yogurt. It's Thursday morning, and you and your cousin Zoe are choking down breakfast before classroom. Zoe's been staying with you ever since your aunt was stabbed by that man, and she's way, way cool. She's just as tall as you are, and she has the most amazing scent you've ever seen. Sometimes you bump into her on purpose. Eat the fruit at the bottom before you're covered in late. Your mom says as she hurries down the stairs you're not too young to hook to get the hook you know 
You've never seen the hook, but you know that's a threat. Come on, Aunt Mom, Zoe whines. Can't we have some fun foods instead? Shh, you hush her. Your mom scoops down some cheese sauce into her purse and promises to be home in time for dinner. Orange peels and schmear. What's schmear, you wonder? But she's already out the door. I'm not going to eat the rest of this, Zoe tells you once your mom is out of ear distance. Uh-oh. Haha, very joke, you reply. Sometimes Zoe's sense of humor isn't so cool. Chomp down or we won't be at school. School is so cool, you think. You can barely believe what you get. You can barely believe you get to go somewhere so cool. Miss Feeble is your favorite teacher. Teach. Miss Feeble is your favorite teach lady because she cries like a wimp every single day. Your school books are really heavy like bricks made of facts. And you have a friend, Brad. You and Brad are just alike. He's exactly the same height as you, and he loves your cousin's feet. You met him last summer at a lip-smacking contest. Brad won, of course, but you got a couple of good smacks in, too. He has a sarcastic remark for everything, unlike Zoe, who never goes too far. Oh, he never goes too far. I'm the king of not kidding, Zoe insists. Let's make garlic bread or peanut butter pancakes. You can't believe it. She's serious. You have to admit, feels like a pancakes kind of day, but that batter crate is empty. You'd have no choice but to call Pancakes Rocky, who used to be your stepdad. There isn't plenty of time. We can't. We can't, you tell her. Sal, the bus driver, hates me, and he'll be here in a few. Wait, is that the sound of rubber wheels and yellow? Ah! I actually am kind of tired of reading this. So, um... It's because there are... It's AI-generated, so... There are some, like, weird wordings of things and, like, typos, so I'm going to call it a day for that one. We are going to head over to reddit.com. Oh, my God. We're going to head over to reddit.com slash r slash no sleep. Um, and, yeah. Oh, I forgot I have a Reddit account. Okay. Um, r slash no sleep. So this one that I have just found is by a user called Goat Was Taken No. Um and the title is I really, 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 really hate oranges. Um so this new recording setup really hurts my back quite a bit. Um I'm looking for other scary stories that I can read. Um I was gonna do r slash no sleep, but I didn't really ask, like I didn't have time to preview any stories, so um, I don't want to read any of those without asking the permission, um, even though this podcast isn't really big, my god, I don't know if you guys could hear that, but my door just slammed, which is kind of frightening, um, God, is it windy? I'm going to check on that really quick. There is not a lot of wind right now, um, but I'm going to go check on that, and I will continue recording while I do that, just in case anything spooky happens. I hope nothing spooky happens. Jesus.
It was actually just um, the wind, so. So I found this one. I'm not totally sure where it comes from. Um, I'm reading it on Mashable.com. It says that it is from um, Reddit user More Napkins, please. Um, so yeah, let me read that for you guys. I've posted this on my other account, copy and pasting it here. The scariest thing I've had happen while camping. So I live in Eastern Oregon and my mother and her, my mom lives in Western Oregon. Went to visit her for the summer. She's very outdoorsy. So we decided to take the one hour drive from her city to the coast. We end up at this free campsite at the top of this hill, huge foothills on the coastal mountains, about a 25 minute drive from the top where the campsite is to the bottom where the main road was. And we were the only campers there. We relaxed for the rest of the day, made food, you know, whatever. Um, a truck full of men drive up the hill and talk with my mom. I don't know what they were talking about. It wasn't suspicious at the time. And they leave us. Fast forward to the middle of the night. I wake up to my mom sitting straight up in the tent. I wake easily, so I heard her gasp, and it woke me. As soon as she saw I was awake, she put her hand over her, my mouth because I was, I was starting to ask her what's wrong. It was dead silent, and all of a sudden you hear footsteps right beside the tent. The little flap that covers the zipper was even moving. Thankfully, my mom has quick wits and said very loudly, Kenny, grab the gun. Kenny is my dad, and although that doesn't matter, mind you, he wasn't there. Um, just us girls, like I previously said. They left, no harm was done. Thank the Lord for my mama. Um, too long didn't read, the girls at my campsite alone. People outside my tent in the middle of the night, and my mom pulled some really cool stuff. <laughs> um, that's cool, I guess. These are all from Reddit. Um, I could read you one about a Ouija board. I don't know. I thought this episode would be really cool, but um, feeling pretty discouraged about it because I don't like scary stories. Like, I don't get scared. Um, I'm really trying, though. I'll read this one. Um, no, I don't want to read that one. Um, okay. So this one is titled, um, You're Lucky I'm Scared Too. Reddit user Megaman1410 shared this story with um, about a letter from a burglar who visited their home. Um, visiting, no, sitting in my room at like 11.30 p.m., heard lots of stuff downstairs, assumed it was my mom, heard her walk up the stairs to my room. I stopped, called out to her. She didn't say anything and walked downstairs. I went down about half an hour later to find a piece of paper with the words, you're lucky I'm scared too on it, and a whole bunch of other stuff was missing. Called my mom. She hadn't been arrived. She hadn't been home. Um, since dinner, because she was with her friends, I called the cops and locked myself in the bathroom, but I think they left when they realized I was still home. Probably the most scared I've ever been while I was hiding in the bathroom. That, see? 
If the audio is really bad, I'm very sorry, but um, my current recording setup is kind of not the best, and the position that I was sitting in was really painful for my back. So I'm in a different position, different setup right now. Um, sorry if it sounds bad, but I'm doing my best. So this next one seems a lot longer, um, seems a lot more promising. Um, the plane ride that never ends. Um, what it is on Worcester? Worcester Street, um, showed this story about losing track of time on a continental flight. <sighs> I've been flying for almost 30 hours and the flight attendants won't stop crying. 30 hours ago, I hopped on a late night flight from New York heading to Los Angeles. After boarding, I saw that I had an entire way to myself. Take off past without mentioning, and soon I stretched out a nap over across the ways. I slept for a few hours. I don't know how long, but I woke up to make some severe, I woke up to some severe turbulence. It's possible that the lights in the cabin went out for a moment, but I was too disoriented to say. I checked my phone and saw that it was 4 or 3 a.m., which I figured gave me about an hour until we landed. I looked out the window and checked to see nothing but wide open ocean. My jaw dropped. There was obviously no ocean between New York and Los Angeles. I hit the button to call the flight attendant over. I spent the next few minutes walking my brain for a lake that could have possibly been big enough to explain what I was seeing. I jumped when the flight attendant flipped off the light. She was grinning from ear to ear and tears were pouring down her cheeks. How can I help you, sir? She asked. I faced for a moment at her reaction before deciding to ask my question. Where are we? Why does it look like we're flying over an ocean? She wiped her cheeks to clear the tears, still grinning widely. So, we'll be landing in bed now. I, uh, okay, thank you, I said. After she left, I checked the clock on my phone again. Four or three and blinked back at me. It hadn't changed. I've been waiting with my colleague for, um, at least five minutes. How is it at all possible that it didn't change? I opened up my laptop and saw, too, that it displayed four or three a.m. I pulled out my phone and started to stop watching the app. Spent the next two hours looking back and forth between clocks, waiting for them to change. They never did. I tapped the shoulder of an older woman sitting in the way ahead of me. She looked back and had expression on her face. Yes, she asked. Do you know how long until we land? I asked. Uh, she narrowed her eyes. That flight attendant said it would be about another hour. I shook my head in confusion. That flight attendant? We had talked almost two hours ago. We should have landed already. She stared at me as if I was crazy. I was going to continue trying to convince her, but I felt a hand on my shoulder. I spun to see if my flight attendant grinning down at me, tears pinging off his cheeks on my shoulder. So I'm going to have to ask you to calm down. Why we call him the captain? I told him it wouldn't be necessary and sat back. He removed his hand and slipped away. The flight attendants continued to stop by every few hours, offering meals. My stopwatch continued to take and it's now telling me I've been on this plane for more than 30 hours. I've explored all of coach, tried talking to some of the other passengers, but they've all told me they're expecting to land in an hour or so. Around three hours ago, I tried getting into first class, made it to Cotton Bowls, escorted back by two grinning flight attendants, the group on my arms like iron. So, the seatbelt sign is on. Please remain in your seat with your buckle fastened. We'll be landing in about an hour. I'd just about given up hope when a woman came down the aisle dressed in a business suit. She didn't look at me or slow down, but she dropped a piece of paper onto my tray as she made her way to the bathrooms at the back of the plane. I shot a look around the floor and rolling it. It said, are you sick too? I pulled out a pen and wrote, yes, it's been 30 hours. 
a few niggas got back up and sat around the track closest to the aisle. She went to the bathroom and, pa- and picked it up as she passed. It's been 20 minutes since then. I don't know why. I don't think the flight attendants would like it if they knew we were talking. It doesn't matter. After something, I'll update you with whatever happens next. Um, I'm looking for some more. I think I might read. Re- I, um, I'm looking for some more. I think I might read scary stories to tell in the dark. Um, on this note, I just want to say I truly think books should be free. Like all books should be free. Like for what? I guess that's libraries, but like, I don't know. I just feel like books should be free. You know, I guess I guess nonfiction books specifically, but whenever I can't find a PDF of a book, I get so upset. Let me read it for free. It's just words. I can't read them in that order. I have to pay to see those words that I already know in that one specific order. Like, come on. <laughs> um, that'd be like if you had to pay to see the number pi. Like, it's just an order of books of number of words, you know. Um, I'm looking for a PDF of some of the stories. Uh, that is not it. Um, they had a movie of this. I kind of forgot about that. Um, I found a website that has them. Scary stories to tell in the dark. Um... Oh, there's so many. See, the thing with this book, this book did kind of, like, really give me some, like, some spooks as a kid. Because, oh my god, the the imagery. That's what really, that's what gets me. Um, I will be right back. Um, I think that might be, looking at these images, I feel like this might be the reason that I enjoy AI images so much, because they're all so human, but it is so not human at the same time, and it's so fascinating, and I think that a lot of AI-generated images are also like that. Um, I don't know how familiar you guys are with AI-generated images, but some of them, some AI can really, like, um, if you go to thispersondoesnotexist.com or .net, I don't know, if you Google this person does not exist, you'll find it, and it's a website that it, it generates pictures of people, um, and they're all AI, and some pictures you really can tell that, um, they're AI-based, because it'll make one face that's, like, really perfect, and, like, you can't tell that it was AI-based, and then the person, like, it'll have two people in it, so my phone started ringing, but, um, it'll have one face that's, like, perfect and super, super crisp and, like, you can't tell it was AI-based, and the person next to them will be, like, very obviously AI-based, and, um, once you look at enough, you can, you can tell when an AI is still learning, um, sometimes I'll see pictures and it's just, like, some AI-generated picture and obviously, like, a not a very well-experienced AI, um, and people will be like, this is the reason that you can't have girls over on the first date. Or like, this is why you shouldn't date men. Or like, just stuff like that. And everyone's like, what is going on in this picture? Um, and I think those are so neat. I think that's such a creative use of that image. Um, 
But I'm just really fascinated by it. But um, I'm going to be reading some story stories to tell in the book to guys. Um, this first one, I'm going to do a few of them. Um, this first one is just delicious. Um, okay. There was a man who loved to eat. Every day, he went home at noon to eat lunch with his wife. The man was not a good husband. He was mean, bad-tempered, overbearing boy, and his wife was afraid of him. She was a shy, timid woman who did everything he asked. If she didn't, he would often beat her. One day on his way home from lunch, the man stopped at the butcher shop and bought a pound of liver. He gave it to his wife and told her to cook it for dinner that night. His wife prepared pasta for lunch, so he sat down to eat. While the man ate his lunch, his wife told him that a rich old woman in town had died and her body had been brought to the church next door. The man was not interested in what she had to say. He was enjoying his plate of ravioli, which he watched down with a nice glass of wine. He didn't want to stop eating long enough to tell her to shut up. Finally, he said, enough, I've got to go back to work. That evening, the wife began preparing that dinner. She seasoned the liver and cooked it slowly in a pot with vegetables and broth. After a while, she lifted the lid to the liver and it looked like it was done, so she cut off a small piece and popped it in the broth. It was just delicious. The flavors were rich and vibrant. She thought it was the best meal she had ever had. She tasted another piece and, and another and another. It was so good, she couldn't stop herself, and before she knew it, the pot was empty. She then thought about her husband and began to panic. He would come home soon. What would he do when he found out she had eaten all of the liver? He was not the type of man to understand. He would be very angry, and she remembered the beatings she had been given before. She did not want to face that again. Why would she get another piece of liver that late in the day? It was then that she remembered the rich old woman who was lying alone in the church next door, lying in an open coffin, waiting to be buried. After finishing his meal, her husband got up from the table and patted his belly and said, That was just delicious. He had never had a better dinner. The salad with a drizzle of olive oil, the right amount of garlic and vinegar, the fresh garlic bread, and the tastiest, most tender liver that had ever melted in his mouth. He looked at his wife. Aren't you going to have some? I'm not hungry, she replied. You finish it. That night they went to bed. The man had fallen asleep, but his wife was lying in full darkness, unable to close her eyes. All she could think about was what she had done. Just then, she heard a voice in the distance. My liver, it said. Who has my liver? It sounded of the voice of the old woman. Gradually, it claimed closer. I want my liver. Who has my liver? The, ma- the wife listened. Was it just her imagination? Was she dreaming? The cry came again and again, piercing and terrible. Give me back my liver, it said. Give me back my liver. No, 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 she whispered. I don't have it. I don't have your liver. The voice was right next to her now. Who has my liver? Who has my liver? It asked. The wife was trembling with fear. She pointed to her husband and said, He does. Suddenly, the wife awoke in a cold sweat. She was so frightened she could barely breathe. She couldn't stand the strain any longer. She shook her husband, and when he woke up, she confessed everything. She told him how she had eaten the liver he bought and how he had, and how she had crept into the church next door. She told him of how she had split open the belly of the corpse, deftly cut out the liver, and brought it back home to cook. Her description was so vivid, her husband could almost see it happening before his eyes. As he listened, he grew more and more angry. She then told him about the ghostly voice she heard and that he, and he grew more and more fearful. The man was terrified of ghosts. I'm the one who ate the liver, he said. That means she'll be coming for me to wreak revenge. 
You don't understand without a word. You went downstairs. His wife sat in bed, wondering what to do. A few minutes later, she heard footsteps coming downstairs. And when he came in the doorway, she saw he was holding a knife in her hand. She screamed and screamed. Later that night, the husband crept back into the church next door. He approached the coffin and placed on a fresh new level in the belly of the corpse. He then went home and climbed into bed. His sleep was never disturbed again, and nobody ever saw his wife again. So, our next story is going to be the thing. There were two young boys named Trevor and Paul. They spent most of their time in summer vacation hanging around town looking for things to do. One hot August night, the boys were sitting on a fence by the main road. There was a cornfield just across the road. Suddenly, Trevor spotted something in the field. In the darkness, it was difficult to make out, but he thought it looked like some kind of weird animal. He nudged his friend and pointed in the direction of the strange-looking figure. Will said he could see it too. He wasn't sure, but mysteriously, the thing seemed vaguely human. The next thing they knew, the thing was gone. The boys craned their necks and scanned the field with their eyes. Out of the blackness came the thing. It slowly walked over to the edge of the field before disappearing again. Trevor and Will looked at each other, puzzled. What was that? asked Will. I have no idea, asked Trevor. No sooner had he... No sooner had he said that than Trevor felt a clammy hand on his shoulder. He turned around and found himself directly looking into the hideous face of the thing. He let out a yell of terror and surprise. The rotting skin on the thing's face was coming off in pieces, revealing bone underneath. For a moment, it just stared silently at Trevor with its dark, sunken eyes. Then it grabbed hold of his arm. Trevor felt its fingernails dig into his flesh as he wriggled out of its grasp. The two boys leaped, leapt off the fence and ran down the road, screaming in horror. They didn't stop running until they reached their homes. They tried to yell for their parents and tell their friends about the thing they had seen that night, but nobody believed them. When Trevor woke up the next morning, the scratches on his arm were still there. After a few days, they got worse and worse. Trevor got sick, and his parents took him to see a doctor. After examining his arm, the doctor told the boy it was infected and gave him some pills to take. Unfortunately, Trevor's condition got worse and worse. The infection spread his entire arm, and it wasn't long before flesh was rotting and falling off. He was taken to the hospital, but no matter what he did, no treatment, no doctor, nothing seemed to work. The infection spread throughout his whole body. Trevor was confined to bed and started to waste away. It seemed like it was beyond his help, and as days went by, he steadily grew worse and worse. His anguished parents could only sit at his bedside and cry as they watched their beloved son slowly rotting away before their eyes. On that day that Trevor finally passed away, Will came to the hospital to visit him. When the boy walked into the hospital room and saw Trevor lying in bed, he was horrified. His friend looked exactly like the thing. And our last story that we will be reading this week is called Harold. There was an old farmer in Arizona who owned the best farm in the area. Everybody said his crops were the best, and people came from all over to buy their plants from him. Whenever people asked how he was able to grow such good quality crops, the old farmer would say it was all down to a scarecrow. That old scarecrow is the only one I have to thank, the farmer said. He makes no crazy critters come near my crops. 
Neil Farmer had built the Scarecrow himself, and it was a fearsome sight. He had spent months working on it and to make it as scary as possible. He knew how important it was to keep pests away from his crops, so he gave it enormous straw arms that stretched out about six feet and big long legs that made it as tall as a tree. But the scariest thing about the Scarecrow was its head. The farmer carved it himself out of a huge pumpkin. He spent countless days and nights perfecting the design until it was perfect. The scarecrow's face was so grotesque and ugly that even sometimes he was scared to look at it, but it was very effective, scaring away every rodent and bird that ventured near. The neighboring farm was owned by two young men, who were brothers named Josh and Harold. They were lazy and never did much work around the farm, which resulted in their crops being bad. They were jealous of the old farmer's success, and they were planning against him. If they could drive him out of business, they would take over his farm and make more money. So, one night, the brothers decided to sneak onto the old farmer's land. They stole his prized scarecrow and brought it back to their house, where they stuffed it into an old closet so nobody would ever find it. The next day, the farmer woke up to find his hideous scarecrow missing and all of his crops being eaten by rats and crows. He fell to his knees and cried, knowing that his farm would soon be out of business. Meanwhile, the brothers, Josh and Harold, were watching from their own property and they couldn't help laughing out loud when they saw the old man's tears of grief. Hearing the laughter, the old man came over and asked them if they knew what happened to his scarecrow. The brothers looked him right in the eye and said they had no idea where his precious scarecrow might be. But you know I'll go out of business, I'll have to sell my farm if I can't find my scarecrow. Josh just laughed in his face. That's tough luck, isn't it? Sucks to be you, giggled Harold. The old farmer walked slowly back into his house, hanging his head down in defeat and depression. That night, Josh and Harold had trouble sleeping. Not because they had felt any remorse, but because they couldn't get the image of the scarecrow's horrible, twisted face out of their minds. They decided they would never be able to sleep as long as that ugly, ugly pumpkin head was in their house. So they got up and dragged the scarecrow out of the closet. Harold took a baseball bat and smashed the scarecrow's head to pieces until all that was left was bits of pumpkin strewn around the floor. The brothers swept up the pumpkin head pieces and threw it in the trash. They then went back to bed and were soon fast asleep, having put together all the thoughts, having put all the thoughts of the disgusting scarecrow face out of their heads. Sometime after midnight, Josh and Harold were awoken by the sounds of scratching and clawing at the bedroom door. Did you forget to put the dog out? asked Harold sleepily. We don't have a dog, stammered Josh. Suddenly, the bedroom door burst open with a solitary long straw arm snaked in through the opening. Then a second arm thrashed around, followed by two long sick legs. The brothers were frozen in fear, and all they could do with the horror as the headless scarecrow body rose up on its long sick legs, and its long arms reached out for them in darkness. Harold felt a cold, sinewy straw close around his neck and his ankle and screamed loud as he could. He begged his brother Josh to help him, but Josh was already running out of the bedroom. Fleeing in terror, he ran out of the hallway and crashed through the front door onto the moonlit road. As he ran as fast as he could, as his legs could carry him, puffing and panting, screaming at the top of his voice, as he passed his neighbor's house, he saw the old farmer standing in his gate. In the moonlight, he could see the farmer just staring at him with a strange smile on his face. Josh kept running, his bare feet slapping against the rough gravel road. He glanced over back behind his shoulder and saw something that would scare him to his very soul. He saw the scarecrow running along the road close behind him. He was gaining on him closer and closer. That wasn't all he saw. He noticed that the scarecrow had a brand new head. 
And it looks a lot like Harold. What a wonderful podcast that was, guys. Thank you so much for listening. This was a very fun episode to record. Um, sorry if there's a couple like minor um, editing errors. I've been really busy lately, and uh, to be completely honest, I'm recording this day of, so um, I hope that you guys enjoy it. Um, sorry about any mistakes. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you for coming back for another week, and I hope to see you next week for... I don't know. I forgot what I was doing next week, but I do have a plan and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.